This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Welcome to SIP. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. Yay. What do we do on this podcast? We talk about, I almost said crime. We talk about survival stories and we drank wine. Sometimes we drink other stuff. Or other things. Wine is our fave. Uh, Are you actually drinking today, Danelle? I'm not. Jesus Christ. I'm not. Cheese and rice. It's Friday. It is. It is Friday. I have to say I went on a real binger last weekend, ladies and gents. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm getting older, so it takes a little while to recover. So I'm not quite ready to, to start boozing yet. So mm. there you go. I've been really good about not drinking the last two nights, um, which sounds like I'm an alcoholic. Like it's been two whole days that I didn't have a drink. I feel like but, most people are in that space though right now. Right. Well, and I always like, I usually have a drink with dinner or whatever, like just one glass. Um, but I haven't had it in two days because I just, I wasn't feeling it. It's mm-hmm. not that I drank too much or anything. It, I just wasn't in the headspace. Um, I also, this is, this sounds terrible. Like I'm a drug addict. I also got my Xanax refilled recently. And so instead of like relying on a couple glasses of wine at night, I've just been like getting ready for bed early, having a Xanax and then like watching whatever on Netflix, which is like Um, basically the same as having like two to three glasses of wine. Yeah. And then you zonk (laughs) out. Yeah. It's magic. Um, Before I get into what else I'm doing uh, with drugs. Let's talk to Kenny. Kenny, are you drinking alcohol? I am. <laughs> what Yay. are you drinking? It's called Epiphany. It's an IPA. Hmm. Is it hoppy? Uh, no, it's like a nice hazy IPA. It's not too hoppy, actually. Uh, I love Very a hazy. Sounds good. I love a hazy and I love a hoppy. I do I like, too. I like a hazy hoppy. It's my favorite thing in a pool, like if I'm swimming. Yeah. Uh, hazy IPAs are like the perfect summer beer. I agree. I agree. My husband would disagree. He thinks it tastes like grass, and I think oh. he's out of his mind. But I love a hoppy haze. Have mm. you guys tried the new Blue Moon? Um, that's like a Blue Moon seltzer. Let me look it up really quick. It's so good. I know, I've, is it? I've seen. Yes. I've seen um, like video or picture. I'm like, what am I? What did I see? It was on social media. I don't know. I saw something about I, it. I'm white collar die. Okay. Me. While Janelle's looking that up, can I just tell you that? At my friend Shelly's house, we did a blind taste test of seltzers. Mm. Uh, so we videoed her husband, Andy, who does listen <laughs> to the show. And we tried Truly, uh, White Claw, and Vista Bay, which is the Aldi seltzer. The Vista oh. Bay is not good. Um, okay, so this is how it my went opinion. down. This is how it went down. Are you ready? I'm ready. Andy thought he was totally white claw like he was like i don't like truly vista bay is okay i'm gonna be a white claw we did the blind taste test and he guessed what was what and he was wrong every time every time his favorite one was truly really <laughs> mm-hmm. truly uh, yes. is pretty good we did it with lime and we did it with black cherry i and like both the black times, cherry both times he picked truly white claw came in second and he said Unfortunately, Vista Bay came in a very, very far third. 
<laughs> I feel like uh, White Claw's a little, uh, what's the word, more, just a little more sweet. And the mm-hmm. Truly is a little more, just not as sweet. So I, I like the Truly better as well. But the, it's called Blue Moon Light Sky, Light Sky. Oh. And it is a, um, let's see, da, 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 da. it has like tangerine peel and it's only 95 calories and it's like a little small can, but mm-hmm. it is delicious. It's, a, it's a, like a citrusy beer as Blue Moon is, but it's almost like a seltz, has a seltzery finish too. It's really good. Oh, I'll have to Check try it that. out. And it's, you could have like six of them and... Like, else. not be totally wasted? Yeah. Which, okay. who wants that? That's the only downfall of it. It's, you know, 4% alcohol. <laughs> okay. But. Okay. Well, I was at my friend Connie's, uh, who lives near you, uh, Danelle. Oh, yeah. I, I was at her, her pool. Yeah, I was at her pool this, was this weekend. Yes, this weekend. And um, I only have Vista Bay. But, again, if I don't drink Vista Bay directly before or after something that tastes better... It's fine. I don't give a shit. So yeah. I was drinking the grapefruit, the ruby grapefruit, uh, Vista Bay in her pool. And it was very refreshing. Um, had a lovely time social dis- distancing in the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so <coughs> there's my COVID cough. Just kidding. I don't have COVID. <laughs> um, <coughs> I have been coughing a lot lately, but I think allergies. It's probably allergies. It's yeah. picking up hardcore. You should take some Allegra or something. <laughs> well, I've, I've been using, taking an Allegra every day and it's working. I'm using um, Flonase, uh, which my um, doctor said is like the best because it doesn't tackle just an- it doesn't tackle just histamines. It tackles all the symptoms of any kind of allergy, which I don't know what that means, but whatevs. Listen, we cover everything <laughs> on this podcast: right. wine, seltzers, COVID coughs. Flonase, everything. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, well, I'm drinking out of a, a Boda box again, so I don't have anything to say other than I'm really excited because it's in my horse wine glass. So there's like little horses etched on my wine glass, and I appreciate that. It was a Christmas gift for my husband. Whoa, fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, I owe, so there's uh, a fan of ours. I'm. Uh, her name is escaping me. Hold on, I'll see if I can find it while I'm talking. Um, she really wants us to make T-shirts for Sip, Survive, Repeat that say "Strap 'em and Zap 'em." <laughs> okay, done. And I, I was like, a decent amount. Well, I mean, it's one of my favorite sayings. Learned it from my eighth grade. Uh, no, not eighth grade. My high school high school history teacher used to say that all the time. Mr. Walsh. That was his, that was one of his "Strap 'em and Zap 'em." So. Um, I will work on that. I started, I just started working on t-shirts again for another company. So I will start working on a t-shirt for that as well. So let's do like a cute V-neck. <clears throat> I'm really into V-necks right now. Yes. Well, I have, I've been wearing our Sip Survive Repeat logo V-neck um, mm-hmm. just, just around the house because it's comfortable. And so I've decided the V-neck, because I have some of the other like types of shirts because there's like a crew neck and a like fitted tee and the V-neck is the best one. The fitted tee comes, it's like a little small. Like you have Yeah, to order. the fitted tee's a little tight. Also, the sweatshirt I wear all the time around the house because I am always cold when the air conditioner's on. And it's still so soft. I've washed it like a thousand times and it's still really soft. I love that sweatshirt. Is it the slouchy one? Yes. Okay. It's my favorite. 
Okay. Amazing. Um, I have to clear my throat, so I'm going to mute myself for a sec, but okay. who do you think should go first? Kenny, do you want me to go so Jenny can clear her throat? Go for it. Okay. So my survival story this week is about a lady named Sarah Brady. And Sarah Brady it, was 26 years old at the time, and she lived in Kentucky. Was and it in the 60s, is... and was she related to the Brady Bunch? No and no. Okay, good. But it was in 20, uh, 2005, in February. And she was nine months pregnant with her first kid and engaged to be married. So a very exciting time in her life. Mm-hmm. And she was five days overdue, and the doctors Ugh. expected her to give birth any day. Can you imagine? No, I went. <laughs> I went three weeks early, and I was like, "Yes, thank God." Get this yeah, because towards out. those last few weeks, right, you're just done. It is the most uncomfortable, god awful thing, and it's like you can't explain it. It's just like imagine being uncomfortable all the time, sitting, laying down, standing. You're always fucking uncomfortable. When was Declan born? When's his birthday? Is it July or August twenty seventh? But he so was summer, due... so it was yeah. hot too. Yeah, he was due September fifteenth. Oh, that was his yeah. due date. So he came the twenty seventh. My water broke at work, which is apparently a lot of people's nightmare. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> um, you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> no, but my boss did show up with a pack of napkins. A couple of T-shirts from one of our runs that we do as a, a TV station, and a wheelchair. Which I was like, "We have a wheelchair Great. in the station." You're like, "We have a medical facility here." Great. We. So. Um, well, she's five days overdue. She's not feeling it. She's, you know, over it. And um, also her first pregnancy. So I'm sure a lot of unknown too. So Ugh, for any shizzle. day she's about to have this baby. So while awaiting her baby's arrival, she received an unexpected phone call one day from a woman who said her name was Sarah Brody. And remember, this other girl, the lady that's pregnant, the main character of her story is Sarah Brady. And this lady called and said, hi, my name's Sarah Brody. And she seemed super normal and whatever. Is this an I survived? No, it's not. This is an Oprah.com one, but it's okay. similar to the I Survived one I, I did cover. Okay. Like, it's, it's the same, yeah, it's the same uh, situation, sort oh, of. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm I ready. know, I know, I know, I know. So, um, she was like, it seems like our baby gifts got mixed up because <clears> I'm also <throat> pregnant, and you're registered at Babies R Us, I'm registered at Babies R Us, and our names are very similar, so it looks like I got one of your packages. Oh, such a small world. Yeah, she was like, so we have so much in common, and oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. So Sarah was like, oh, no worries, you, you don't live that far away, um, and you're nine months pregnant too, so I'll just, I'll just go to your, I'll come to your house and pick up the gift. Great. Don't do that, people. Don't do no. that. Um, so she went to the lady's house and inside the box, she found baby bottles, stuffed animals and other items that were actually on her registry. Um, but there was no identification as to who sent the package. Mm. And the woman was like, uh, I don't know. My husband put it somewhere. Like, I know this is yours, but I can't find like who sent it, but just take the package. It's fine. So all is normal. She leaves her house, goes back home. And so she's like, oh, that was nice of her to reach out, blah, blah, blah. So later that day, uh, Sarah received a second call from this woman 
saying the UPS had delivered, right, that they delivered another gift. Oh, my God. And she said this time um, the two women chatted even longer and sort of not formed a friendship, but sort of, you know, formed some type of little bit of more of a bond. And she trusted her since she already met her once. And um, she said that she actually felt sorry for the lady because she she seemed very lonely, like whenever they talked and she knew she was also pregnant, too. And she just said ultimately she kind of just felt sorry for her. And she remembers telling her fiance that night, like, I think I actually made a new friend for through this like I think we'll act we'll continue to be friends after this because we mm. really hit it off mm-hmm. so <laughs> right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the next morning that night when they chatted they had made arrangements for Sarah to drive back to her house again to retrieve the second package no um and so she gets there she drives I don't really know how far away the house was but she gets there and well, wearing again a seat belt, wearing a seatbelt when you're pregnant that pregnant is also the worst and I would be like why don't you well it's probably good she didn't do this but like maybe you could drop it off to my house this time why do I have to keep coming right. to your house right or just why don't you put it in the mail or leave it on the porch and I'll come grab it anyway Ugh, hindsight people are hindsight. too people are too trusting Mm-mm. but that's the whole thing like when I was going down this rabbit hole of finding a story I yes. I feel like I'm super like that. Like I will just, if someone wants to chat up a conversation, I will just, I feel like, again, as women, we're taught to be polite polite and just put on a smile and, you know, do whatever it is that, I don't know. So if you have a red flag, listen to it. If you have instincts, listen to it. Mm -hmm. I know we always don't do that, but, um, so she felt sorry for her essentially. So the next morning she drove back to her house Um, and once again, the woman, you know, she gave her the package, she opens it up and there's no, they call it an air bill, which I don't really know what that is, but apparently it's who bought you the gift from your Mm. registry. It was missing again. And, um, Mm. Sarah Mm. insisted that, uh, she's like, why don't you just, I know it's here somewhere. I'm so sorry. Like I'm improvising. I don't really know she said this, but I'm just imagining (laughs) she would be like, I know this, like, it's here. I'm so sorry. Like, like, can you help me look for it? Like, I'm also nine months pregnant. It's hard for me to run. Like, do you mind, like, come on in. Do you help me look for it really quick? And, um, so the other Sarah complied and she was like, yeah, let's, that's fine. I'll help you look for it. So when the two women walked into one of the bedrooms, uh, Sarah, the, the one who the story's about, can I call her Brady? I'll just call her Sarah. Oh. Call her Sarah and call the other one evil Sarah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so Sarah noticed that when I lost my place here. Oh, so they walked into the bedroom. Sarah noticed an asthma inhaler on the nightstand. Mm. And she, she said in the interview, she was like, why I looked at it, I don't know. She's like, I never will know the reason why. But she did notice that on the inhaler, like on the prescription part, it said Katie Smith. Uh-oh. That and doesn't sound like evil Sarah's name. Uh-uh. And she said that's when she knew shit was going to go wrong. She no! knew right in that instant. She was like, I knew I was in a really bad situation and something's very wrong here. And um, before Sarah could listen to her instinct to leave the apartment, evil Sarah collapsed. And said she was going into labor. And 
Sarah then helped her into the bathroom. So instead of listening to her instincts and just running and leaving, evil Sarah was like, oh, my God, I'm going into labor. And Sarah then helped, like, get her into the bathroom to help her out. I don't think at nine months pregnant I could help anyone do anything. I know. To be honest with you, just saying, can you help me look for this? I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to take the package. I'm tired. I'm swollen. Goodbye. But okay. Okay. So she helps her in the bathroom. She helps her in the bathroom. And she said, um, evil Sarah gave her a look that just went through her core. Like she Mm. knew that. I just got Again, chills. I know she knew it just confirmed everything that her inner voice was trying to tell her. And mm. she said she just gave her this like dead look, like she had a dead look on her face. Like she, oh. again, she knew she, she was about to get real. Um, and she said to this day, it makes her sick even thinking about it, the evil that poured out of her face. So Yikes. something must have just like switched, right? So um, have you ever met after, anyone that evil? Think about it I, for a sec. I don't I think mean, I have. I don't think I have. I mean, there have been people that have, um, like, for example, I won't say where, but there is, like, I've met people, like, around the neighborhood or my previous neighborhood where they just give me a weird vibe. Mm-hmm. But never, like, evil like that, like, where their eyes are black and they're just like, no, thank God. Kenny, have you? Uh, no, I can't think of anyone. Kenny's like, just my boss, Jenny. <laughs> she's a raging just this lunatic. girl i know jenny she always has this evil look in her eyes i can't <laughs> understand it um so after sarah sees evil sarah's face she takes off to the door of like course, she yes. goes to leave and evil sarah is um she's like wait no before you leave she's like listen i don't have anybody like she tried to cover up the fact that she's fucking crazy but she was like can you please just give me a hug goodbye like, I consider you a new friend. I don't have anybody else. Um, she's like, can we just hug goodbye? Again, third red flag. Um, the answer to that is no, man. Hell no. Mm-mm. But again, we want to be polite, right? <laughs> we want to we get out of this situation Talk as fast as possible. Right. So before Sarah could say no, um, Katie embraced her. Well, evil Sarah. Her real name's Katie. Evil Sarah embraced her and began squeezing her tighter and tighter. Mm-mm. Then Sarah says, evil Sarah reached into her pocket and pulled out a knife. And she said, you're not going anywhere. So Sarah says she managed to knock the knife out of evil Sarah's hand. And the two women fought intensely for about 20 minutes. Nine months pregnant. 20 minutes. Mm -mm. So she said, similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. But similar to the other I Survive story, I think her name was... um, Takesha Brown or I gotta look I did the story on her and I just it's such a fascinating story and she's such a badass but similar to that um story her motherly instincts kicked in and she was like if I don't overtake evil Sarah like my my child is going to die and I'm going to die and I'm never getting out of here and she knew it um so after the struggle continued for over 20 minutes uh Good Sarah got a hold of the knife and ended up stabbing evil, evil Sarah um, in what she thought was her shoulder. And she said you could just see the blood pouring out everywhere from her sweatshirt. Um, And she said that evil Sarah, when she stabbed her, evil Sarah looked at her straight in the eye and said, you stab me, you stupid bitch. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, excuse me. 
Um, That's when you're like, you started it. You started it. I finished it. And she said at that point, that was her like plate. That was her like cue to like take off. So she, um, she basically like fled from the apartment at that point and just took off. So the interesting part is she didn't know. So evil Sarah ends up dying. Oh, really? Right then there? Yeah. Like eventually. Yeah. But Sarah didn't know that. So when Sarah flees the apartment, she called the cops and everything and didn't realize that evil Sarah had, that she had killed her. So when police arrived at the scene, they found evil Sarah just like completely, there's blood everywhere. There was clearly a struggle. Um, And then they see this like pregnant girl laying on the floor and they actually take evil, they take good Sarah into custody and, and question her for like, she has to take a four hour lie detector test. Oh my God. Yeah. So she actually became the focus of the investigation for a short period of time. And, and there in the police's mind, they thought that somehow like, uh, evil Sarah was paying regular Sarah, like $5,000 for her baby and good Sarah changed her mind and a fight ensued, which none of that happened. But that was there, like, as they were looking at the crime scene, they were, like, putting all this together. Well, what made everything fall apart was, well, A, she passed the lie detector test. And B, they discovered a nursery stocked with diapers, formula, toys, and a crib um, inside one of the closets. They also found a pregnancy disguise. Mm. And once once they also investigated the bo- Kate, or evil Sarah's, like, they took her to the hospital because she was dead and stuff. She was wearing a pregnancy suit. Uh-huh. And she had convinced her friends and family and everyone in her life that she was nine months pregnant. She really wasn't. Um, they also found a bag with surgical gloves, cutting instruments, medical gauze, and a homemade umbilical clamp in her closet. Uh, okay. That is not what you want to find ever. Cutting exactly. devices? No. Thank and you. a homemade one at that? What? Nope. So, obviously, after the police found all of these things and also discovered that she was wearing a pregnancy suit, they dropped all charges against Sarah and realized that she was just lured here and had no, like, was super innocent and just was caught in a really bad situation. Um, And police actually went on to say that Sarah wasn't the only expectant mother that Katie had been targeting or evil Sarah had been targeting. Mm. Um, He said that she had also faked three other pregnancies in the past and found, and how she would target people. She would find women's personal information online through baby registries. Mm. So it's actually really, so through Sarah's bravery and her willingness to escape and fight for her life. And her badassery. And her badassery, um, changes have been, now been made to uh, registries. Like, for mm-hmm. example, Babies R Us has now made personal information private on registries when you, you know, go to register for your baby or your wedding or wherever you go to register, like, that information is not available. And I guess before, back in 05, it used to be, which is crazy to me. Oh. Um so to this day, um, Sarah has also made changes in her own life. She says that she's learned to trust her instincts and inner self. And she said in an interview that when you know something is not right, get out. Don't mm-hmm. linger. You don't mm-hmm. owe anybody anything. Mm-hmm. And she says that some days she has mixed emotions about evil Sarah. Um, she says some days I'm angry and other days I feel sorry for her. 
And she said that she feels sorry that she had led such a horrible life to feel that she needed a child to love for her to feel, you know, worthy or to give life, to give meaning to her life. Cause clearly she was trying to steal her baby. So, um, can you imagine so, yeah. if she had succeeded, what kind of fucked up life that baby would have had that poor child? Oh my God, for real. Um, Blech. But thanks to her maternal instincts, Sarah did give birth to a healthy baby girl, Michaela Grace, on February 16th, 2005. And she also has, uh, she's also written a book about her ordeal called Saving Grace. Aww. And that is the story, story of Sarah Brady. Oh, my God. So, Amazing. Another Amazing. Oprah classic. Oh, Oprah. <laughs> my go- Reader's <laughs> Digest and, and Oprah. My go-to's. Yay. Oh, I love it. Um, I am going to be honest. I watched a, uh, a lecture, I guess we'll oh. call it, about this one. You're smart. Um, yeah, the guy who was telling it was, like, really into this story. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Like, his speaking skills could have been improved. Like... And this was, this was National Geographic and this was a National Geographic like speaker series. And I just was like, dude, like you need to kick it up a notch. So why don't you show them how it's done? Sure. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to try real hard. Before I do that, I'm going to, I just need to pour some more wine in my glass here. My horse etched glass. I feel kind of bad that I said this guy was a bad speaker. It's not that he was bad. He, it was just boring. Like, what are you doing, sir? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, but if that's your job and you're not, and you're boring at it, then. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh, but whatever. I am doing the story of Douglas Mawson and his trek across the Antarctic. No, thanks. <laughs> Doesn't no, that thank sound you, fun? Like a little, <laughs> whoop, 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 little fun. Okay, so background on Mawson. He was born on May 5th, 1882. So I'm taking it way back. Yeah, okay. you are. I love, I love an old-timey one. Old-timey. Uh, he was born in Shipley, West Yorkshire. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's in the UK. For our UK listeners, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but two year, when he was just two years old, his family emigrated to Australia. And they settled in a town called Rooty Hill or Rooty Hill. It's now in the western suburbs of Sydney. Okay. Mm-hmm. He went to Fort Street Model School. And I was like, Model School? Was he cute? Was he like doing like blue steel? What was, was he doing? He like, was he like walking a catwalk? Oh my God. I don't know. But like, I don't even know if they had models back then. I don't think they did. Is that wrong? I think they actually did, but they, it was like drawing. Oh. So like if you were a model, you would sit for people to draw for you. Oh I my mean, God. To draw you. Sorry. Really sidebar. I'm laying in bed <laughs> and okay. I had my, I had my like old lady elevation thing on and I just hit my remote <laughs> and it, I'm like, Oh my God, what's happening? It started to go down. And I was so confused. Okay. Sorry. Continue. It's fine. At the same time you started having a panic attack, a, a dog ran into the office. So. <laughs> oh. A little seven-pound Ruby, a.k.a. Marv, is down here with me now, just, like, hiding. Aw, bunny. Okay. Hi, babe. Okay. So, anyway, he... I don't think it was an actual modeling school. I think models back then, they drew, 
which is like hilarious to me. Like you're a model, they don't take pictures. You just sit, someone draws you, and then they put you in a magazine via drawing. Oh, okay. Which I'm like, couldn't you just do that out of memory so you don't have to pay someone to sit for you? But whatever. That's a lot of work. <sighs> That's not what the story is about. <laughs> um, <laughs> he went to the University of Sydney and he graduated in 1902 with a Bachelor of Engineering. Yay. He's cute smart. and he's smart. Okay. Okay. I see you. Mm, hold on. I need a sip of wine. It's a double threat. You may recall many moons ago, I did, I cover the story of Ernest Shackleton. Sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. This is the one that our boss gave to us and you were like, no, thank you. And I was like, sure, oh, I'll do Moby it. Oh, the Moby Dick one? Yeah, I think, mm, I don't know if it was Moby Dick. I don't remember. No. But anyway, the name I know. Anyway, uh, Mawson joined Ernest Shackleton's Nimrod expedition. I'm gonna let that sink in. Nimrod expedition. <laughs> that's what we named so, it, right? Like that's not very nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, is that where the term came from? What? I didn't do more research. So if you feel the need, go ahead. Uh, 1907 to 1909, and they went to the Antarctic, and they were going to stay for uh, the first summer, but they instead stayed an extra year. I'm like, huh? How do you stay an extra year in Antarctica? Like, right. Like, don't you what need are supplies you eating? and like yes. Things? Anyway, um, blah blah blah. They trekked around. They found the South Magnetic Pole, uh, and that was it. So the expedition was great. Good job, guys. 1907 to 1909, a bunch of Nimrods on Antarctica. Good for you. Okay, Nimrods on the Nimrod. <laughs> So, uh, Mawson actually turned down an invitation to join Robert Falcon Scott's Terra Nova expedition in 1910. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. A Terra Nova expedition. That sounds not like a Nimrod. Right. <laughs> Did Nim maybe Nimrod meant something else back then. I don't know. Yeah. But now it means you're a fucking idiot. All right. <laughs> so, he was invited on this Terra Nova expedition, and he said no because he wanted to lead his own expedition. Mm -hmm. The name of his was, I'm going to see if I can say this right, Australasian Antarctic Expedition. Now that sounds good. I just like the word Australasian. Yeah, me too. Mm. Uh, so he was very unenthused about going back to the um, magnetic pole. He was like, I don't give a shit about the South Pole. I, I hate magnets. I, I don't hate care. magnets. I have this metal leg. No, he doesn't have a metal leg. Um, <laughs> but he's just not into it. He's just like, I just want to explore the unexplored. So what he is looking for is land that hasn't been seen yet. That's his thing. And I'm like, really? That's what you want to do? You want to go somewhere where other people haven't? But I guess, you know, when you're looking for fame and fortune, this is how you did it mm -hmm. at the turn of the century. Because there wasn't reality TV. There wasn't TV. This is how yeah. you had to do it. So He was a land influencer. <laughs> Is what he was. Yes, a land and ice influencer. Uh, so it was the sector that was immediately south of Australia, which I always forget how close Australia actually is to the Antarctic. Like, if yeah. you think about a globe. It's like right they, there. They're close. They're close. Um, and it was almost entirely unexplored at that point. Oh. Um, and he raised the funds necessary to make the trip, 
within a year. So he, from the start of wanting to do this Australasian adventure to going was just one year because he got people from Britain and Australia to back him. A lot of commercial backers were interested in both mining and whaling opportunities oh. in this undiscovered part of uh, the Antarctic. <sighs> so they get on a ship. It's called the S.Y. Aurora or the Psy Aurora. I don't know. S and Y are both capital. I'm not into ships. I'm sure, so it means uh, something. So sure, 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 sure. So it was December 2nd, 1911. And they landed at Cape Denison. And uh, that was actually named after one of the backers of the trip. So actually, it didn't have a name when they landed there, but they called it Cape Denison because Hugh Denison was a major backer of the expedition. <laughs> so I guess if you back an expedition, you're going to get capes named after you. Seems fair. Seems good. Um, then they went to Commonwealth Bay on the 8th of January in 1912 and established their main base. So I just want to remind you, uh, okay, so that was like a month. So the first part, Cape Denison, they dropped five men off to like put up some sort of radio situation so they could like talk to the mainland, mm -hmm. aka Australia. Then they go and set up base, like the main base at Commonwealth Bay. What I've heard about this is that it is, oh, I'm sorry. Oh my God, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> sorry. Okay, where they Just are. Just kidding. Where they are is either it's Cape Denison or Commonwealth Bay. Whatever the case may be, wherever their main base camp is, is windy as fuck. Got it me. is, on average, the winds are nonstop at about 50 to 60 miles per hour. Ew. And guess what? It's cold. No. It's like my worst nightmare. Okay. <laughs> okay. So sometimes the winds could get as high as 200 miles per hour. So a hurricane. Great. Basically. Yeah. Perfect, guys. Uh, they build their, their hut on a rocky cape. And they wintered there throughout the blizzard. Because wintering, I believe, it's the opposite of winter here because of the way this... You know what I mean? Like Australia winter is yeah, our summer. Opposite of our yeah. So yeah. like right now, Australia's get they're getting ready to go into winter because we're going right. into summer. Exactly. Yeah. So same as down in Antarctica. So basically, they get there and now they have to like stay the winter and they just have to like hang out in this hut. And I saw some pictures of what this hut looked like. I mean, it wasn't super roomy, but like the guy, it was like a bunch of dudes who were just like fucking around i'm sure they had like some some stuff to imbibe in blah 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 and they wintered there and it was nearly constant blizzards i'm like cool one of the things i really liked is that the, the door of the hut got snowed in almost immediately and so if they wanted mm -hmm. to leave the hut they had to go in and out the emergency hatches that were on the roof so they had to like climb up and go out an emergency hatch mm -hmm. because, because the door didn't work because it was all snowed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exciting. Okay. Here we go. Um, so Mawson's exploration program began, and he had five parties. Each party had three men in the party. Okay. 
Mawson had his own, so it was him and two guys. Uh, and they had, uh, they call them sledging teams. I'm like, you mean sledding teams? It was like a sled with dogs. Oh, so like I don't, the, um, what's it called? The Iditarod? Yeah. Yeah. But not, I mean, I know not that, but okay. But sure. Like with those kind of dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hey. <laughs> Taking a drink. Gulp. Okay. I got to go to some different notes. I used a little Wikipedia along with my other thingamajinger. So now I got to like scroll. Um, okay. So the three people in Mawson's group, it was him and Xavier Mertz, who was like a German dude. And then a guy named Belgrave Ninnis. And they called his nickname was Cherub because he looked like a little boy. Oh, <laughs> that's kind. Isn't that cute? I was yeah. like, oh, mm. I'm sure um, you appreciated that. So all these groups, the five groups of three men in each group, all spread out to discover new land in Antarctica and see what like they could basically gather, benefit, whatever. Um you know, how can we destroy the earth down here? Let's do that. Right. We've destroyed it everywhere else. Let's Perfect. also get in on this too. Great. And here it comes. The big threats of them walking around in Antarctica. Can you guess? Wind, snow. Crevasses. Crevasses. <laughs> moss. Just kidding. <laughs> Crevasses okay. of moss. No. <clears throat> So, uh, they had to, generally they could see them and they could go around them, but a big worry was falling into a crevasse, which as I've talked about before, <laughs> is not great. It's not what you want in life. Don't um, want that. No. Okay. Hold on. I got to scroll again. <laughs> oh, so much scrolling. Okay. Whoa. Here we go. Okay. So the cherub was following... <laughs> Uh, Mertz and uh, Mawson and the cherub Ninnis was in charge of like the very important sled so the very important sled had like food supplies dog food that sort of thing so they sent first sled first that didn't have as much of the like necessary things because they figured if something happened to that sled fine at least the very important sled with their supplies would be fine well Mertz and um Mawson went across whatever this was no problem with their their shitty sled full of shit stuff no one needed you know (laughs) like all the lip all the lip gloss and shit they packed fine yeah Ninnis the cherub goes across that same path and guess what he falls in a fucking crevasse. <laughs> Those crevasses every mm. time. Mm. Every time. Not only was it their supplies that they needed, it was also being pulled by their six best dogs. Uh, oh, bunnies. So it was like a hundred and something, hundred. I mean, I guess 150 feet drop to the bottom of that crevasse. Uh, they saw one dog who was badly hurt on the side of the ice, like hanging onto a ledge. They saw a bunch of not alive dogs at the bottom of the crevasse and they couldn't see the cherub to save their life. So they assumed 
Mr. Ninnis, the cherub, was dead. Yeah. I mean, we're going to hope so because they just left. They're like, bye. Um, so Mawson and Mertz say a little, you know, say a little prayer for me at the crevasse. And um, they're a little pissed because they don't have the supplies they need because they have the shitty sled with nothing important on it. Uh, they also don't have the good dogs. They have the shitty dogs, which I'm going to be like, there is no such thing. I love all dogs. It's fine. Um, so they start making their way back to the main uh, campus. Okay. We're going to call it the campus. The camp. Uh, the one with all the wind. The shitty camp with all the wind. They're trying to make their way back there. It is over 100 miles away. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, 165 feet is how far the chair fell. Oh, okay. Not great. That'll do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a deep crevasse. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a deep crevasse. Deep crevasse. Okay. So they start making their way back. And at this point, they don't have food for themselves or their remaining dogs. And so they take uh, one of the dog members and they um, sacrifice him for the humans and the other dogs to consume okay okay um obviously i don't agree with that but these are desperate times they call for desperate measures so right apparently dog meat is disgusting uh so it yielded very little meat um a lot of the dogs that were alive were like basically chewing on the bones until it was just like oh nothing Mm -hmm. um both men suffered from dizziness, nausea, abdominal pain, irrationality, oh, muc- wow. mucosal fissuring of the skin, hair, and nail loss. This, was, this wasn't just from eating a dog. This was, like, also just oh. being in fucking Antarctica when the wind is blowing and it's minus something degrees. Um, so they are continuing the trek, the 100-mile trek, back to the, the base camp. And um, suddenly Mawson noticed a dramatic change in his companion, Mertz. So Mertz is the German guy. And he kind of lost the will to continue moving. And he just wanted to lay in his sleeping bag. Oh, no. So he started to deteriorate rapidly. And he also had diarrhea and madness. I'm like, diarrhea gives me madness too, Mertz. I get you. I I understand. (laughs) That's fine. I hear you. Um, but yeah, it's just, he deteriorated fast. Um, he started to like not believe things that were like obvious. Like he basically, um, Mawson was like, Hey, you have frostbite. And he was like, no, I don't. So to prove that he didn't have frostbite, he bit off the tip of one of his own fingers. Why? Madness. He's like losing it. Yeah. He's delusional. So, uh, he bit off the tip of his own little finger, and then he started violently raging out against Mawson. In fact, Mawson ended up having to sit on Mertz's chest and hold his arms down. Oh, no. Because he was so worried that Mertz was going to destroy their tent, which was their only, like, form of, um... Like, protection? Yes, from the elements was this tent, this fucking tent, and he's about to ruin it because he can't control himself. Um, Mertz suffered seizures, and then he fell into a coma, 
and then he died on January 8th of 1913. Oh, wow. Okay. So he did not make the trek back to base camp. He just went mad, diarrhea, bit off his own finger, mm. got into a rage, coma, seizures, died. Done. <clears throat> Done. Okay. So now people might be like, why do you get so sick so fast? And Mawson didn't. Interesting, interesting oh. item here. It wasn't known at the time, but husky livers, as in the husky dog, mm-hmm. is it contains really high levels of vitamin A. So um, it didn't, a lot of people then didn't know that that high of a level of vitamin A could really cause damage to a human liver if ingested. So they had six dogs between them. By the time they got to this point, Danelle, cover your ears. They had to eat all the dogs. Oh, all the dogs are gone. man. I mean, I, if you're starving, I, I'm, it is what it is. It's but awful. That sounds terrible. Um, but here's the thing. Mertz was very, like, he couldn't stomach the meat of the dogs because it was very, like, stringy. And, like, you know, dogs are, especially sled dogs, are, like, very fit. There's not a lot Muscular. of Muscular. Yeah, it's very, like, tough. So he tended to eat the liver because it was a lot more, like, fatty and easier to palate. Uh-huh. Well, after basically eating six dog livers, oh. uh, he got so much vitamin A, he got something known as hypervitaminosis A. Which and he went crazy. Yeah. Went crazy and basically died because of the overdose of vitamin A. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes. Could be a thing. So... Side note, don't eat dog liver. Don't eat dog Or don't eat too much vitamin A, people. Also that. (laughs) Vitamin A, you can get any vitamin you can get an overdose of. So be careful. Okay. So, uh, Mawson now has to continue alone. I'm like, "Uh," I feel like I'm just laying a sleeping bag and be like, this is it. Yeah. I'd be like, I give up. I'm I'm done. done. Hopefully someone will discover me soon. Okay, so he is now walking by himself, and he's trying to make it to that main base camp. And you'll never guess what happened. What? He fell into a crevasse. The crevasse strikes again? Was it the same one that the cherub's in? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So uh, this crevasse, uh, he, it, here's what happened. He was, uh, had himself tied to the sled, and the sled, as he fell into the crevasse, wedged itself into some ice. And caught him. So he only fell about 14 feet before he was caught by the rope. Oh, okay. So, like, good job thinking ahead there. Yeah. So he uh, he tied knots in the rope that was connecting him to the sled. And he pulled himself up. And he used his heels, the heels of his feet, to, like, kind of backwards pull himself up. Because his arms were so weak at this point. Um, at one point during this, uh, travel back to main camp, he also took his shoes and socks off at one point because his feet were hurting so bad. Uh, oh. and at that point, uh, the soles of his feet came off in his socks. <gasps> oh my God. The thought just makes me want to vomit in my mouth. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what happened. That's what happened. Oh my goodness. Okay. The soles of his, it was like leather just like fucking came off in his socks and he was like, well, Mm-mm-mm. there's that. There's that in my socks. Then he had to put his socks back on. I'm like, gross. Do you think gross. he pulled his feet out before he put them on? I don't know. No, it's probably extra protection. Exactly. So he finally makes it back to Cape Denison, where the main base camp is. And 
of course, the ship that had come to pick him up and his crew had just departed five hours before he arrived. Oh, that's nice timing. You know what that meant? What? That he had to winter again in no. Antarctica. With the, <laughs> with the soles of his feet as cushions for his shoes. <laughs> he made them into a pillow. It was fine. So, uh, he, they had some uh, radio contact with the ship until it got out of range. So, they were able to say that Mawson got back uh, successfully. But his two partners did not make it back. Um, so, he had to spend a second year in Antarctica. There were oh other, God. there were other people still on the, there were six men who had stayed behind to try and find him and his crew. So he wasn't alone. He was with some other guys and they stayed in the hut. I'm guessing they didn't do as much exploring because some people didn't have the soles of their feet. So, you know, uh, oh he wintered there until December of, two, or of 2000. He wintered there until <laughs> December of 1913. And he also, when he got back, he wrote a book called Home of the Blizzard. <laughs> um, it's just, like, amazing. Uh, he made it back, obviously, to Australia, which I'm sure was lovely because I'm guessing Australia was, like, warm and balmy and the soles of his feet could return. and They could grow back. <sighs> so he married Francisca Adriana Paquita Del Prat. I'm like, whoa, girl, that's a name. On March 31st of 1914 at Holy Trinity Church in Balaclava, Victoria. (laughs) I would have tried to do the story and got to that part and just was would be like, no, I'm done. I'm not doing this. So Um, good for you. (laughs) Hey, you're welcome. They had two daughters, Patricia and Jessica. In 1914, he was also knighted. Go, go, Mawson. And he was very preoccupied with um, the news of the Scott disaster, which is one of the explorers he was going to go on a trip with, but then he didn't. Uh, But then World War I broke out, and he served in the war as a major in the British Ministry of Munitions. Don't know what that means. Um, after, after, After the war in 1919, he went to the University of Adelaide, where he promote he was promoted to professorship. And he taught geology and mineralogy. Um, Let's see. Uh, He basically taught until 1952 when he made his retirement. Um, And he died in his Brighton home on October 14th of 1958 from a cerebral hemorrhage. Uh, But he was 76 years old. So he lived a nice life considering that, you know, he had a few years of awful in Antarctica. Um, at the time of his death, he had not completed his editorial work um, that was based on all the papers he had from his expedition. And so his daughter, Patricia, actually completed his works and published them uh, in 1975. So oh, that's nice. Um, his works are out there, compliments of his daughter. And that is the story of Mr. Mawson, the Antarctic crazy man who had that's to walk crazy. 100 miles. Uh, I'm yeah. still stuck on the soul, the foot mm. of the foot yeah. of his soul, really. The soles of his feet, like, oh my god, terrible. Believe me, I know. What it's a great disgusting. story, Jenny. Hey, thanks. Uh, <laughs> don't go to Antarctica, and if you do, get don't. good shoes. 
Watch, just don't, and watch out for crevices. Mm -mm. Watch out for crevasses (laughs) or crevasses. I feel like I feel like I'm just gonna start looking up all the stories that have the word crevasse in it. Crevasse in it. (laughs) That's it. That's all I'm doing for the rest of our time on Sip Survivor Feed. (laughs) That was great. Thanks. I loved it. Kenny, do you have some weird news for us? Kenny, I do. Okay. So a man hired for what was cleared after breaking into the wrong house. Oh, I read this already. Oh. He broke into one. something, but he was cleared. Say it yeah. one more time. A man hired for what was cleared after breaking into wrong house. Hmm. Uh, was he breaking into... S- Strip? I mean, it's close. close. It, it would have been amazing if you got this. Okay. Uh, he was hired for a sexual broom fantasy. Oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> sexual broom. Like what you sweep the floor with. Fantasy. Okay. I know what a broom is. I don't know what a sexual broom fantasy is. Uh, oh, you don't? That's where I'm having specific, a trouble. The client wanted him to tie him up and... I believe strip him down to his underwear and stroke him with a broom. A clean broom? I don't I don't know if it's clean or not. They didn't didn't go into too many details about exactly what he was hired for, but oh, God. that oh, and people are just fucking weird. Oh my god. Yikes. No. I didn't know there were I didn't know there were broom fantasies, you guys. I didn't either until I read that too, Kenny. That I totally that caught my eye. I was like, "What? Come on!" Oh, no, I had to do that one. It was too crazy. Broom fantasies. All right. I mean, I don't want to kink shame you guys. Do you? But right. Yeah. I'm do hoping that's clean broom because I'm gonna be honest with you. As somebody who a goes to a barn a lot and sees a lot of brooms, uses a lot of brooms, we sweep some pretty gross stuff like shit, like horse shit. With brooms. And, and also, as the owner of four dogs, I also have to sweep up dog shit on a somewhat regular basis. So, I'm just like, that better be a clean-ass broom. That better be an inside broom. I wonder if it was like a push broom or like your everyday house broom. Mm. I'm hoping, in my head, it's like, you know those witch brooms that they have out for decoration? Yeah. Those I'm thinking cute. like that. I'm thinking like that. A sexy, like a sexy, cute witch broom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Got it. Great. I love it. Okay. That was good. Okay. Uh, make sure you guys tune in on Tuesdays for episodes. Uh, we got some new reviews this week, which I was very excited about. If you guys want to rate, review, and subscribe, uh, if you leave us a review, you are eligible to get a beautiful Sip Survivor Pete decker uh, as soon as I'm back in the office. <laughs> Because they're at the office, not at my house. Someday. Someday, when I'm back at the office, I'll send them out. But anyway, we would love some more. We're so close to 100. We have 89 right now. If we could get to 100, I would do a dance. I'm so ready. I would too. And Jenny, you wouldn't want to miss Jenny's dancing because it's actually really good. I'm going to, I have been told by many people recently to get on TikTok. So maybe you guys will see. Oh, I think you totally should. Yes. So, anywho's it. Uh, tune in next week. Also tune in on Thursdays for our short uh, weird news episodes um, where 
Kenny and Danelle talk about weird news and I talk a little bit about strange remedies from the past. So we'll see you guys next week. Love you. Bye.